welcome to another episode of Sisters in Conversation, the podcast. I'm your host, Debello Motswane. I'm an attorney by profession and the founder of a platform called Sister in Law, which is a platform dedicated to empowering women through legal education. On today's episode, I am graced with the presence of the lovely Grace Gichanga. Grace is an admitted attorney having obtained her LLB from WITS. Her experience spans over 10 years across both private practice and the public sector in disciplines that range from corporate and commercial law to transfer pricing. In response to her original calling as to why she studied law, Grace founded Masenze South Africa in 2018, which focused on basic literacy workshops across various townships and the inner city. This resulted in over 50 workshops over two years. It is during this time and while studying the the social entrepreneurship program at Gibbs that she first came up with the idea of Luma, a literal, uh, sorry, a legal literacy chatbot available on familiar and accessible chat platforms to assist everyday South Africans on their legal journey and in understanding the law. I really had a fulfilling conversation with Grace because it was reaffirmation that the work that we do on the ground in educating people, especially women about the law, should not be taken for granted. And it also highlighted that access to justice and to the law as a whole remains a luxury for many, many South Africans. I hope this episode encourages you to introspect and remember your why. Why law? Enjoy. Hello, Grace. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, Tabelo. I'm good. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for availing yourself, um, Madam President. You've been quite the busy bee lately. <laughs> <laughs> yes, guilty as charged. <laughs> oh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for making time in your busy schedule. Um, but yeah, offline, we spoke about the podcast and I explained to you that, um, you know, an old um, or rather a mutual contact between you and I said that I really have to have you on, on the show. Mm-hmm. And I remember that I met you like almost five years ago, you know? Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I suppose with, with, with um, time and the lack of communication, I forgot that you were in, in the legal field. So welcome back into my life. It's good to be back in yours. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to be here, Tabello. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Let's get right into it. Tell us mm-hmm. about yourself, Grace. Um, you know, who is Grace? Where were you born? Where did you go to school? How many siblings do you have? And um, what motivated you to studying law? Oh, you're taking it all the way back. All the way, um, all the way. So <laughs> I was born, I was actually born in Kenya, in Nairobi. And I spent the first 13 mm. years of my life there. So that's where I went to primary school. Um, very, very, some of the best memories of my life there. I mean, home, East, West, you know, they would say home is best, you know, grew up in a very large family. Um, I have four siblings, two sisters, two brothers. Um, so you can imagine how that is. I mean, growing up, I always had this thing where whenever we're invited to someone's house, we'd just get there and fill up the whole house. Like you can oh. almost see sit, you know, <laughs> and that's just how many we were. Um, but, you know, growing up in a big family is always good. And it served us really well when we moved to South Africa. That was in um, at the end of 99. Actually, my dad sold it to us as let's go on holiday. And then we just never left. Um, 
So, you know, mentally we were not necessarily prepared for the transition, for the move. Um, and, you know, you know, it's just that Kenya and South Africa are both African countries, but they're culturally and I guess socially they're they're a bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got here, um, we realized that, hey, this, we were tricked. Um, so <laughs> getting, getting our heads around, okay, now we're in a new space, new country, no family, no friends, literally starting from scratch. Mm-hmm. And the, I guess what was also difficult for us and difficult for my mom was that um, my dad's business was still going on in Kenya. So he wasn't at a point where he had, he had transitioned. So we had transitioned and we had transitioned without him. So, you know, I always say big ups to my mom. Like she held it down for real. Um, she was everything to us. You know, she had to mm. figure out this whole new country, this whole new landscape. I mean, even driving here, you know, in Kenya, people drive a little bit more reckless. I shouldn't say that, but um, it's a little <laughs> bit more freehand as opposed to here. So there was a lot going on. I mean, we had to learn that, you know, traffic lights are robots. So there was a lot of mm, mm. relearning we had to do. Um, so when we finally got here, we literally, because we got here in December, then in January of 2000, we actually had to start school. Mm. Uh, our first school that we went to was actually Kensington High because we were staying in Kensington at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm being honest, that was really, really difficult because, uh, you, you know, you're here. I miss my Kenyan accent now, but at the time it was like heavy, you know, so I was mm-hmm. like literally mm-hmm. fresh off the boat. Mm. Um, so I struggled to communicate. That was real. It was real. I remember, I remember one of my first encounters. Um, I wanted Tipex, um, but in Kenya we called it whiteout. And I remember saying, "Can I have some sure. whiteout?" And everyone burst out laughing. And I was like, "I don't see the joke here." And then it was like, "Oh no, it's yeah." So it was like there was a lot happening at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, we we struggled. We we struggled with that move. And to be honest, we actually didn't last very long in Kensington High. We ended up shifting over to Bishop Haven, which actually had a much more welcoming feel because there was a lot of um, kids from all over the world and largely from all over Africa. So that felt like more of a natural fit. Mm. So uh, hang around Bishop Haven for about three years. Then um, again, my parents decided to move again. Um, only because they liked adventure so much. Um, mm, so from mm. there, we moved from Joba, we moved to Pretoria. Um, again, big ups to my mom. She she also again held it down, new city. We had to make friends again and all of that. So I was in Pretoria and that's where I actually did my matric. Um, from there, I, I wanted to move. I was those kids that wanted to leave their family far, far away when they went to varsity. So in matric, mm. I was applying for schools. I was applying for UCT. I was applying for roads. I applied for VITS. Um, didn't get into UCT, got into roads, but um, at the time, my parents were like, that's, we don't trust you enough to let you go that far. And the oh. compromise was to go to, no, it was like, you know, African parents though, they're like, we're not <laughs> yeah. ready. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the compromise was that I moved to, to Joburg, to Witz. Um, and that's sort of where I landed up doing law. Although that actually wasn't even my first choice. I mm. actually... Growing up, I grew up reading a lot. I grew up watching the news a lot. Um, it was actually one of our, the times when my dad and I would bond the most is through reading the newspaper and watching the news. And um, I remember growing up, uh, there was, especially in Kenya, there was a lot of wars that were going on around us. I mean, there was a war in Ethiopia and Sudan. 
Um, so it was one of those things where my dad was very um, impressed on us that you must know what's going on around, you must know what's going mm. on in the world. Mm. And I remember Christina Amanpour, I mean, to this day, I still watch her. And she was a war correspondent at the time. And that's what I wanted to do with my life. I was like, this must be the most exciting career in the world. Um, so when I was getting ready to go to varsity, um, journalism was my first choice. My second choice was actually drama and, and law was my third choice. It was a by the way. Um, mm -mm. My dad was like, I'm not paying for you to go to school. And then you end up in this career and then you want to go and dodge bullets. I will not do that. So I was like, okay, cool, fine. Drama was also thrown out as an option because he's like, I'm not paying for you to go to school and then be a struggling artist and be my problem. So it that's how I sort of, dude, <laughs> <laughs> sort of how, like first two options were literally thrown out the window. Um, and that's how I ended up doing law. Um, and that's, that's sort of been my path ever since. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Did you ever end up finding out why your dad made that almost abrupt decision for you guys to come to South Africa? What were the reasons behind, um, you know, just um, po posing it as a holiday and then it's turning out to be mm. forever, forever occasion? I think, I think at the time, Kenya was, there was a little bit of turbulence. I mean, even to this day, if you follow um, what's going on back home, from a mm. politics perspective, things can get a little rocky mm. um, around election season. And that's, that was one of the times I was a little bit rocky. And my dad had been here previously, and he really just liked the place. He liked the infrastructure. He liked how orderly everything was, so to speak. Um, so he really just wanted his family to grow up, I guess, in a different setting. Um, and it's not, it's not something that's unusual for a lot of Kenyan families. Kenyan families um, migrate all the time from, from Kenya. So it's not something that was necessarily unusual. I think it was just the fact that the reason why he made it a surprise was I think we were, we were really set there. And mm -hmm. I think he would have faced a lot of opposition considering mm -hmm. that he raised his children to speak up for themselves and to fight for their point, even when it's against their parents. So I think this was his, his best move, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, let All me right. get them there and then fight with them there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, cool. And then um, tell us about Grace's campus life. So now you've had um, you know, a few years of adventure, moving mm. high schools, changing cities, mm. changing countries. You've had all of this. How was your campus life? Was that where you had, um, you know, stability, if I can say, because you you did your whole degree there. What were some of the experiences I... and, and, and challenges that you faced on campus? Mm. Um, I think campus for most of us is... is um, it's not what any of us expect. I mean, you always watch the teenage movies growing up, see what campus is gonna be like, but it's never really like that. Um, for me, I got there, I was, I realized how sheltered I had been. I realized how lucky I had been. I realized how there's a lot of things I took for granted. I also realized how naive I was. Um, I got to campus, I, I'm one of those kids that partied a lot, I partied whole lot especially in my first year <laughs> I really I had a good time I had a good time with this um but naturally that meant that my academics um suffered especially in the first two years and I got my act together when I actually failed second year and 
surprisingly, that was the one year in my life where my parents actually wanted to see my report card. My whole life oh. would never care because I'd always done well. So I just took it for granted that I can get away with it and sort of like make it up. That was the one year where they, like literally we went to VITS and you know at VITS they would put up the marks on the board. I could not believe that they were actually wanting to see my name on the board. I don't know, maybe there was some divine intervention that told them this girl is up to something. That this so year literally that was- to, yeah. Yeah. Dude. So my I remember <laughs> walking the campus um with both my parents. I took them to the law school. Um, I showed them. Oh. It was it was really it was really heartbreaking. And that's where actually I turned I turned over a new leaf because I mean, like, you know, you realize that your parents do so much for you, sacrifice so much for you, and um for you to not take it seriously and for you not to appreciate um is literally just you spitting in their face and, and not appreciating everything they've done for you thus far mm. so after that experience I really really did um change change how I worked you know got a lot more serious with life and um my marks picked up um and yeah that that was the rest of my campus life I mean I still indulged but I indulged within reason um and yeah and from a point of view of meeting people I think when you get to campus you realize how big the world is and how um, a lot of your viewpoints of how the world works um, get challenged and you challenge other people who come from different backgrounds, who come from different um, ways of thinking and how that just sort of enriches your experience and, and who you are as a person. So mm -hmm. largely that's what WITS was for me. It was a place of, without sounding cliche, relearning, realizing that, you know, life and circumstances is not it's not one-dimensional it's not linear mm. it's not what mm. I experienced and that there's so many other experiences that come with it and also making friends with people that I guess I would never have had the opportunity to make friends with before I got to this mm. 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 absolutely sure thank you so much for sharing that Grace and then um, I absolutely love the fact that you you know led us into the life of, let me say, the typical uh, varsity student who loves partying, um, is at, lit, all the, yeah. as all the, at all the all-week bashes or spring bashes <laughs> at University of Pretoria and this and that. Oh my and, gosh, um, yes. <laughs> uh, you know, all those festivals, I even forgot some of the names, but there was like a, mm. a, big, a, a big one that I used to attend at UP. I mean, traveling from UJ all the way to UP, I had no mm. idea why I was doing that, but I was there. <laughs> <laughs> we did that. <laughs> we did that. Um, but I think it's very important that you mentioned um, that you failed your second year because yeah. we really need to also just like stop or, or get to a point where there's no shame in failing, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, we, need to, we need to educate, especially younger listeners, that um, mm. failure is a part of life and that mm. it's not always all, you know, you know always uh, bells and whistles. And that in your yes. journey towards being a legal pr practitioner, you will face some challenges, some within your control, some out of your control. So mm. what, what, what did failure teach you? What did you learn from it? And what um, what words of motivation do you have for somebody who maybe has had to fail a year um, because of mm. uh, you know not just you know because of not focusing on on school mm. or somebody who because of the pandemic couldn't continue with their studies? What words of motivation mm. do you have? 
you know, my biggest lesson with failure, and I failed many times um, since then, uh, it's not fatal. It doesn't mm. define who you are. It doesn't um, just, it's not a deciding factor on where your life ends up. Unfortunately though, if you allow it, and if you, allies, if you allow society to dictate what failure will mean in your life, that's exactly what it will mean. Mm. And I say that in the sense that I, I, like most people, have allowed the pressure and the shame of failing. Failing can be shameful, you know, especially when you're not, at a level in your life where you're mature enough to understand that it's a part of life. Um, so dealing with a lot of those emotions and, and feeling, feeling like a failure, um, I think uh, we need to speak to young people more about how to overcome that and, and realize that there is life on the other side of failing and there's so many mm. lessons on the other side of that. And you realize that doing it again, doing it the second time, Failure doesn't mean that you're not good enough, doesn't mean that you're not worthy. It just means that you stumbled and you fell and that's just part of life. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Thank you for sharing. And, um, you know, what are some of your highlights in varsity? Does anything stand out for you? Anything that, um, you know, maybe today people aren't really making a big fuss out of it? Hmm. Hmm. I think for me, the biggest highlights came in my final year, actually. Mm. I did the, I was part of the street law program. We were doing a lot of outreach work, teaching people about their rights, um, going, I never personally went to prison um, because mm -hmm. I went there the first time and I was freaked out. And just the heaviness of it was just way too much for me. My, my friends went and loved it, mm. um, but I honestly just couldn't. Um, but we went to schools, we went to homeless shelters, we went mm. everywhere that they would take us. We were doing a lot of outreach work. So that really opened my eyes to, to what the law is and how the law and what it means to normal people and mm. average lay people. Um, also, the time that I spent at the Vitz Law Clinic was transformational for me in the sense that, you know, you've spent three, four years at that point, learning the law, um, the principles of it, the case law, you know, writing mm. exams and all of that, but none of it is tangible until you're actually sitting with someone across the table. And now you have to use your knowledge and expertise as little as it is to try and help someone out of a real life situation that they're in and they're depending on you, you know? So the realness of all of that, I mean, I remember my my principal at the law clinic, Philippa Kruger, I'll never forget, we still, we still chat to this day. And her words to me were, Grace, never, ever, 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 ever get into the law where you have to deal with people because you're just too emotional. You're not, you're not cut out for this. Because I would, I would go to her and I would cry about people's sure. stories and I'd be mm. like, life is so unfair. Why is it like this? Why can't we help them? So she, she's, she was always just like, you know, I think I think the track for you is a more mm. corporate track because mm. you get too invested in people's mm. lives. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, I, I took that advice um, against, I guess, my better judgment, but I knew she was coming. Um, it was, she was coming out of a place of concern for me. Mm. Um, but it always stayed with me that I couldn't help. I couldn't do more. And I always, it always stayed with me, like, why couldn't I do more? Why is, mm. why is society, I mean, the world is an unfair place, mm. but I think I just carried that 
spread it a little bit more than than most people sure yeah and it it really it really really does get difficult sometimes mm-hmm. trying to separate you know your profession from your personal life because at some point Absolutely. they they intercept so much it it becomes Mm. a part of who you are and Mm. I mean even outside of the profession if you're genuinely a person who just cares about other people you are going to be affected when someone else is sad or when someone is experiencing injustice and there's just times where Mm. you know if you end up the challenge is also if you end up soaking too much then it really becomes your burden you know yes so you have to be able to balance that Mm -hmm. sure all right, and then um, what 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 steps did you take in your final year? Did you do articles? Did you um, what what route did you decide was going to be the route that you would take? I I you know most people. I mean, you, you had my friend Annaline Mahashane on your on your podcast, and she was very proactive about what's next. What are we doing next? I was a little bit more lax. Mm -hmm. um but she you know having friends around you that push you and motivate you I sort Mm -hmm. of was like okay no cool let's do the article thing and then we realized that we were too late to apply for articles because we were in a final year and then that's when we decided to to try and work out this whole postgraduate studies thing and I and she shared her story about us going to Pretoria and it rained and I was that girl who lost her shoes and I just remember that day being oh, a lot. It was a lot. I wearing sandals. That day was a perfectly sandals sunny day. in the rain. It, it was not raining. By the time we left over, you, I swear it could have been at least 25 degrees. We get to Pretoria, there's this flash flood that's happening. Yeah, and yeah. it was just a lot. It was a lot. Um, so she shared how we went, we wrote the exam. I was not mm. in the mental space to actually even sit and focus on that exam. For an exam. It was, just, mm. it was a lot. Yeah, it was just a lot. Um, so she got into the program um, at UP. I ended up at UJ doing um, a postgrad diploma in corporate law. And then from there, that's when I started um, figuring out what am I doing next? Where am I doing my articles? So I ended up mm. doing some back work um, at Tabax. So that was really nice corporate commercial. And I realized I actually really like corporate commercial work. And at my time at UJ, I I, you know, sometimes certain things just come to you naturally. And I felt that corporate law just came to me naturally um, without too much effort. So I figured, okay, you know what, this is a track that I can follow. Um, I ended up, uh, I ended up getting a job the next year, which should have been 2010. Mm. Um, started my articles in a firm, um, you know, Santon Life everyone's mm-hmm. gold standard and all of that and I think this is something that we must it wasn't one in one of the top five firms but I think this is something we need to communicate to younger to younger listeners that Absolutely. you know you're always just programmed that get articles mm. do this it must only be in sand and the most, mm. you know and mm. you you don't even stop and take a breath and think about what other possibilities mm-hmm. are there um, that I can pursue with this degree and I think that's also something that could we could say towards education in law school where we're not necessarily exposed to how versatile a law degree is I mean a lot mm. of us only realize this much much later in life but mm. be that as it may I went and did my articles I I really really struggled I really really struggled um because it wasn't a 
uh, it wasn't a situation where we were necessarily applying our knowledge. It was more admin. It was more running around. It was more going to court. I really loved court, though, I must say. I really, really liked being in court. I really liked interacting with the staff at court, the judges, the judges' clerks. Um, but other than that, I, I wasn't able to stay because it was one of those situations where um, I had a very difficult principle, very, very difficult mm. principle. And in her eyes, I just couldn't seem to get anything right. And I ended up resigning after, after what was it? I think it was after four months. Sure. Yeah. Mm. Just like that. I literally woke up in the morning, but it was one of those things, again, speaking to life doesn't always go according to plan. Yeah. Uh, where where light, literally the sun would come up and I would be like, God, give me the strength to get through this day. And mm. it was really, mm. really tough. Mm. Um, so I eventually I resigned. I was unemployed for about, for the rest of that year, actually. Mm. Um, had to go for therapy to go through all of that because you start dealing with feelings of um, rejection. Am I good enough? Am I, you know, what is this? What's yeah. going on? Exactly. Yeah. Being inadequate. Did I study the right thing? Like what's mm. going on with this journey? Um, so that really took a lot out of me in trying mm. to figure that out. Um, but you know, you you dust yourself off um, by the end of the year. And I started working again in January of 2011. And I also started doing my PLT. Um, so that was really nice. So I, was, I was in a nice small firm, had the best, best, best principal. Um, she was a senior associate at the firm, very supportive, you know, walked me through, you know, when you just have someone who's there to teach you and, yeah, is, yeah, and is patient it. with you, you know, and I found that I blossomed in that place. And, you know, you start seeing that I actually I'm really good at this stuff and it does come mm. naturally, but then you also start realizing the personality type that you are. And um, that's also where I started learning how to put up boundaries how to to teach people how to treat me. Um, mm. And that's largely where that started from. So from there, I moved from that law firm, I seeded my articles to um, a commercial law firm, which is one of the black um, commercial law firms. Um, also had a great time there, met some great people who we're still very good friends with today. Um, mm. And again, there it was bonding in, in doing really good work, you know, working till, and people think these are stories, but this is real life. We'd work till one, two in the morning, um, go home, shower, change, be right mm. back at it. But because you took so much ownership of what you were doing and you were treated with respect and you were treated as a person who adds value, you didn't feel as though they were taking away from you. In fact, you mm. felt that you were contributing mm. to yourself and to the to the bigger picture, so to speak. Mm. You did it. In, you did it with enthusiasm. You know, not Enth just so much enthusiasm. Not just yes. ticking off the boxes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. All right. So, I mean, uh, apart from you know your first working experience, maybe let's touch on that a little bit. You know how people mm. just end up feeling um you know they end up feeling like law isn't for them at all mm. um and mm. then you know you i think you were fortunate enough to be in a position to go for therapy but yeah i really want us to also paint the narrative that it's not all doom and gloom you know um no, and, and and not at all and you do end up finding you your home if i can say um, yeah, you but do. there's just there's just this thing that we we really I know there's the narrative that articles are scary and horrible and and horrible bosses and whatnot, 
but you <laughs> you honestly can make it past that you can make it past you that do. and you will make it past that i remember with my article specifically i just i knew from <laughs> like week 2 i remember <laughs> somewhere along like month 2 maybe i woke up one morning mm. and i said dear god i can't believe i have 22 months of this Mm. And I did those 22 months, but September mm. of the second year, I was broken. And mm. now, obviously, I'm in between a rock and a hard place because I can't leave. Mm. I've got four months left, you know, I've yes. got four months yes. and I pushed for yes. so, so long. But mm. I never thought I'd be able to recover from that. I never thought I'd get mm. out of that dark hole. But the good news is that it does get better. It does. It absolutely, it absolutely does. does get better. And it's something that um, young professionals who are entering the space now, and even other professionals who are in the space now, um, I think it's about also finding yourself. And a big lesson for me was when I learned, this is when I started working again in 2011, where I was now dealing with a more senior person who also taught me not just the ropes and as far as the law, but even in my, in how to interact professionally. So how to teach people how to treat you and those were lessons that I took with me far ahead into my career even to date um, because it was one of those things where she's like you you can't yes a place might not be good for you yes it might be tough in there but you know remember why you're there remember who you are and remember mm -hmm. that you you can you can get through it and a lot of it a lot of those lessons, yes, you're right. There were mornings and there were days where it was like, oh my God, yes, I do still have to do this. But you're right, you do get through it and you do find success. And looking back now, I learned so much more and I grew so much in that time because mm. we do tend to grow more in times of difficulty than in times of ease. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, all right, thank you for sharing that experience. I'm glad that it worked out for you in the end. And yeah, I'm just mm -hmm. happy we can also push that narrative that it's not just, you know, all doom and gloom. Then no, before no, no. we move on to before we move on to Masenze, can we just talk mm. about earlier when you mentioned that um your you specifically said that your dad raised you to learn how to speak up for yourself <laughs> and to and encouraged you to speak up for yourself. And on that, mm. I just want to say what has your experience been specifically in the legal profession with regard to being mentored by men? Do you think that men mm. are intentional about mentoring women in the legal profession and encouraging them to use their voices and stand up for themselves? Oh, that's a difficult one because I was lucky. I was lucky that um, in mm. my second um, try, I did end up with a man who was a white man and who was very oh. validating of my experience mm -hmm. and um, very supportive of my journey and, and, and intentional in, in doing that. So I've been lucky in that sense. And, you know, I, I've heard stories, really bad horror stories, but it, it's not to say that everyone is like that. So personally for me, I can speak to that, um, but I guess somebody else's experience might be, might be different. Mm, mm. Um, on that I'm, I'm glad you also mentioned that he was white <laughs> because you know um, we, we often tend to read about instances where when you're specifically looking for mentorship you're most likely to mm. be mentored by somebody who looks like you or somebody with a similar background mm. are there any like tips you can even give with you know 
um, with, with someone younger in their profession or somebody who's looking to get into specifically the legal profession, are there any tips that you can give with regards to them approaching a mentor who mm. does not look like them or have the same mm. background as I them? I think for me, my best advice is be yourself, be honest, um, be honest about who you are, be honest about where you are in life. Um, I found that in the second time, again, when I was finding a job, I, you know, when you go for interviews, we tend to oversell ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, the second time around, I, I, I was honest about, look, I want to learn. I want to grow. I, I realized that I have a long way to go and I would appreciate and humble myself for the opportunities that would be afforded to me. And even, um, yeah, it's just, it's just putting yourself out there, honestly. And once you're in that position, um, I think the second time around, I also probably had a lot more humility than the first time around. So I wasn't mm. a fresh wits graduate who believed that the world owed her. The yeah, second yeah. time around, I was like, you know what, Grace, you're here to learn and you're here to grow and you're going to do whatever you need to do to, to do this. Sure, I love that. But yeah, let's actually just let's touch on the spirit of entitlement for a minute or two. <laughs> I really... <laughs> <laughs> there's something about my 2000 okay not all but it's it's just something about it's something <laughs> about the kids who came after us man and <laughs> the spirit of entitlement is just out of this world mm-hmm. and I've had a few instances mm-hmm. where you know I've had to address it on my social media platforms because I just mm. don't understand how you know we don't know each other from a bar of soap and your yeah. approach is just sideways. Yeah. Like yeah. you want help from me, but you are not yeah. even able to greet me in the email, you know? Yeah. You want yeah. my assistance. Um, you, mm. you, you want my help, but you mm. are telling me that you are free on weekends. Okay. But mm. <laughs> what do you mean? Mm. You, you not, should be. That's not how it's going to work. I'm not here you to come asking, you. <laughs> Exactly. You should be asking me when I'm free. So, I mean, do you have any tips? Have you had any incidences where someone much, much younger has reached out, but you just thought yeah. that the approach was just out of this world? Um, you know, can you just touch on that a little bit? I, I, I unfortunately have. Um, Look, I really, I really, even in my space now, I really like to work with young people, but I have had instances, like you said, the entitlement is just way off the charts. I mean, and I think it's small things, even in how communication is done, like com- greet me a pro, greet me the same way you would greet your principal in a law firm, because that mm. this is a professional mm. working relationship, you know? Um, so there's things like that that I've had to address, address in how, um, just their complete approach to how they they conduct themselves and as far as entitlement goes look no one owes you anything Mm, honestly mm. no one owes you no one owes you anything this career you will make it or you will fail all on your own Mm. and you know once you finish varsity you must remember that you're not the only graduate I mean on average how many law students graduate every year from Mm, how many schools mm. do we have in this country? I know this sounds horrible, but there's nothing special about you. There's a lot of good kids out there who are willing to do the work, who are willing to put in the time. Mm. And if you're not willing to do that, then somebody else will take your place. And and that's just it. And it'll take you longer. 
a, a feel to, to, to finally end up in a place where you want to end up only because a lot of people don't take kindly to bad attitude, especially mm-hmm. in the workplace, mm-hmm. whether you're working in a company with a hundred people, whether you work in a company with only two people, people don't take kindly to that work is work and you need to respect your work and you need to respect the people in authority. Um, there is ways you can disagree with people. There is ways, even with your seniors, but as far as respect goes, um, I think that's something maybe that was instilled to us as 80s, 90s kids. Um, but yeah, it's something that I think the, the younger generation needs or could use a dose of. Not everyone. Um, mm-hmm. I have met some really Absolutely. good kids who are really very dedicated and really very open to learning and giving up of their time and remind me a lot of me. But at the same time, um, when title mind point of view, it, it's difficult to it's difficult for people to to trust you and to want to give you more of themselves if that's how you conduct yourself. Mm-hmm. Sure, very important. Thank you, thank you for that, Grace. Thank you for your insights. Um, I hope I hope you have managed to reach out to a young listener who you know <laughs> is at least able to correct their approach while they still have time and or correct or perfect their approach. I think mm-hmm. that's very important. All right. And, and you know, just to say that, it's not that it needs to be a formal situation. I actually think mm-hmm. I'm a fan boss or senior to work with. Mm-hmm. It's just that take ownership of your work, take responsibility. When you feel you're struggling, let me know in time so that we can fix it. Don't wait until last minute. Don't sulk when I give you constructive feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mm-hmm. all a learning. It's all a journey to, to you becoming the person that you want to be. Mm, absolutely. Sure. I agree 100%. Let's then talk about Masenze, um, which you founded in 2018. Can you tell us a little bit about that platform? Um, and, you know, you obviously moved from doing your articles i didn't get whether or not you also were an <laughs> <Yes>. associate <laughs> what what we, yeah, from a, from 2013 <laughs> yeah from 2013 to 2018 you know there's a bit of a gap so you know mm. just two lines what you did in the five years and then yeah. um yeah let's, so, let's get into masenze in that time i was lucky enough i ended up working at sars and I was okay. working in the transfer pricing department. So essentially what we were doing, um, we audit multinationals mm. just to make sure that they pay their fair share of tax in the country. Um, and from the benefits that they experience having, giving them this working environment where they get to make a lot of money. So that's largely what I was doing in that time and largely still do. Um, mm. And but in that time, I was actually in 2018, you know, when you're a lawyer at a big corporate office, mm-hmm. um, everyone thinks that you know everything. It's like being a doctor. They go to them for everything. Um, mm-hmm. So despite the fact that I was in a tax environment and working largely on that kind of work, um, I had, I'm very friendly with everybody who works in the office with cleaning staff, the security guards. You know, I know I prefer to address people by their first names only out of, you know, their people. Mm. Um, so I had some of the cleaning, a cleaning lady actually specifically come to me because she was having, her aunt was having an issue where her uncle had divorced her aunt without her knowing. And the uncle was now trying to get the aunt out of the house. Shady. It was basically the divorce was grant very shady and it was a situation where the divorce needed to be rescinded and all of that. Mm. So she came to me, um, like 
luckily I had some friends who work in the space. So I had a, I reached out to a friend in, of mine in pro bono, um, facilitated all of that and she was helped and um, they were able to resolve that issue. So once that happened, um, I guess word got around that, you know, Grace can help you. And soon, I mean, I was working in an open plan office and I was just mm. having people coming to my desk at all times of the day. And I guess my, my boss at the time was like, what's happening here? You know, <laughs> so I realized that the best way to get around this was um, a lot of the issues were largely the same. It was family type issues, maintenance, um, um, a lot of stuff that has to do with work. So I just decided to, at lunchtime, um, go to the basement, which is where um, the cleaning staff and the security guards had their lunch. And I just started doing workshops because I was like, you know, it's just easier for me to speak to everybody at once than have to have these individual conversations. And that's just sort of how Masense started, literally in the basement, lunchtime workshops. I mm. actually realized that I love to teach. I love how, you know, once people hear information and how that can be transformative in their lives. Mm -hmm. I remember when we had a session with women that there's no such thing as a common law marriage. And a lot of people, a lot of them were banking on it saying, yeah, but I've been with him for more than six months. And I'm mm -hmm. like, no, honey, there's nothing like that. So just teaching people about their rights, things that we take for granted as lawyers, as basic information, it's not so basic for everybody else. Absolutely. And from there, that those just sort of snowballed into, it took a life of their own. I started doing workshops in um, townships and community halls, um, quickly realized that that doesn't work because the community doesn't know you. I mean, I even had an instance where I was doing a workshop and I was literally bullied out by the ward counselor because they were like which political party are you with and I'm like wait oh. what's happening right now you know <laughs> I'm with nobody <laughs> oh dear sure <laughs> um from there I changed tact I started working with organizations and communities so like other NGOs on the ground or churches um, faith, um, faith-based organizations. Um, mm. And that's sort of just how I got in because then at least they were cemented in the communities and they were trusted and they obviously couldn't be bullied. And then that's just sort of how I continued with my workshops from there um, up until um, I realized that, hey, this is getting a little bit much. It was getting a bit overwhelming because um, I would give out my cell phone number during these workshops. And, you know, you just have people calling you at all hours of the day, of the night, um, because now you've presented yourself as someone who, who um, helps. Mm. Um, and I remember my WhatsApp had so many people that I did not know as compared to people that I actually knew and spoke to on a personal level. And um, that's sort of how I then realized that, you know, there must be a way for me to talk to people similar to how I'm doing my workshops only online. And that's how I fell into the world of chatbots and what chatbots mm -hmm. are. Um, that's how we built our current chatbot Luma, which is premised on the workshop concept where we're giving people um, providing them with basic legal literacy on what to do, how to do it, when to do it by, documents that are needed, forms that are needed, because what we found was that people were wasting a lot of time and money going up and down from pillar to post and just not knowing, okay, where do I start and what mm -hmm. do I do and mm -hmm. what's needed, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's sort of the journey that I, we've been on ever since. Sure. That is very, very interesting. On the issue of like chat boxes and stuff, 
um, what were some of the challenge, what are, or what are some of the ongoing challenges that you have, especially because I can only imagine that, you know, even, even, I mean, with my own platform, Sustain Law, some of the challenges that I consistently mm. have is that the people who really, really, really need this information don't necessarily have smartphones or access to mm. um, all the, in, all the information that I've mm. shared online what are some of your challenges mm. that you've had? Have you ever tried to, um, you know, consider collaborating with maybe like a network provider, um, you know, to to make it as easy as maybe, I don't know, mm. sending a please call me or whatever the case is? Mm. So the whole, I, that was a big factor. Um, so how we got around that was that initially Luma was supposed to be an app. Um, but like you said, not everybody has smartphones. And even if they do have smartphones, how many apps do you really use on your phone? Even mm. me personally, I was like, I don't, no one downloads apps just for the sake of it. And you're mm. dealing with people who face capacity on their phones, can't just take an app that they're going to need for like, what, a couple of months or a couple of days. So the reason why we went with a chatbot is because it allowed us to, to go live on platforms that were already accessible and familiar to people. So currently we're live on Facebook Messenger. Mm. Um, the great thing about being live on Facebook Messenger is that the bot is even available if you don't have data. So if you're on Facebook free mode, oh, you're nice. still able to access the bot. Um, we're looking to go onto WhatsApp soon. Um, but as you know, with technology, you know, the plan mm. never goes according to plan because there's so many other things that have to come into play and so many other considerations. And being a non-technical founder, um, it's also things that you learn along the way as to why there is delays in the process. Um, and you sort of just learn to live with it. Um, it used to, it used to, um, it used to take me aback at first because I, I always, I would feel like, no, people just don't want to move fast enough. But then I guess the more time I spent in the tech space and understanding the whole ecosystem, I realized that, you know what, there is, there is delays that are just inevitable and that's just how it's been. Um, but that's how we got around that. And um, for us, the main thing is that people don't have to download an extra app or go buy extra data to, to mm. use Luma. If you've got WhatsApp, you can use Luma. If you've got Facebook, you can use Luma. Um, literally, if you've got a website, we can put the Luma on. We can put Luma on there. Anywhere that you can chat, we can put Luma on there. Mm, mm. All right. Yeah, I, I love that concept. Um, you know, and it really is a huge contributor to the fight against um, the law being inaccessible, if I can put it that way. Mm. And, mm. you know, what have you found that some of the recurring issues have been since you started this platform? What are some of the recurring issues that are experienced by specifically Black women? And what are some mm. of the 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 things you've put in place to almost help or to try automate maybe a a need of specifically mm. black women mm. so with black women specifically it was surprising to us but some of the the number one of the number one requests we get on the bot is has to do with customary law um i married yeah. Yeah. how does lobola work what happens if he just paid half? Are we married? What happens if I wasn't introduced to the family? So we get a lot of variations mm -hmm. of customary law type of questions coming in via the bot. And from there, because we are dictated, we create a, our content is basically user generated. 
And whatever's coming into the bot, then we'll be like, okay, guys, we need to now start creating content around this. But again, I've learned creating content is not easy, um, especially when you're trying to connect. Oh, sorry about that. No problem. Es especially when you're trying to create content that addresses um, and speaks to a large population group, um, you know, doesn't have any legalese, will address literacy barriers because English, legal English and normal English are not the same. So understanding yeah, that yeah. how are you communicating this message? Is it landing on the other side? Um, so we found that content creation is something that takes up a lot of our time. Um, and we've had mm. to bring in people mm. who are lay people to be like, Grace, this makes sense to you, but I don't know what you're saying here. Mm. Um, so for Black people, a lot of content we're currently busy with, it has to do with marriage, customary marriage, but also civil marriage. Um, another one that comes up a lot is maintenance. Uh, it's, a, it's another hot topic. And yeah. on the flip side of that, we also have a lot of questions that come in about father's rights. Um, access and you know maintenance as well so in the family law space we're seeing a lot of traction on the board mm, mm, mm. absolutely absolutely I think I can I can agree with you uh, the exact same happens um, you know with sustained law but in recent times I've seen a lot of issues of um, property law related matters kick mm -hmm. in <laughs> I don't know if it's a result of the pandemic, but you know, there's been things of, oh, I, I, you know, my sister said she was coming to stay with me for two weeks. Now she's yep. in with her boyfriend. How do I get yep. her out? You know, <laughs> <laughs> all of that. So, so I've also, <laughs> you know, the world of creating content is so large because the, the <laughs> law, I mean, where do you even start? Mm. And you realize that if someone is coming to you for a family problem, family law problem it can segue into so many other things you know it can segue into succession it can segue into property law so that's another thing when you're creating mm -hmm. content are you addressing one specific problem do you want to address the problem in its entirety and that's also why with luma we've decided that you know you can't do it all so our approach is we provide you with the basic information so one two three four yeah. and if you need information with your specific issue then we hand you over to a lawyer for an affordable amount you can consult with a lawyer and then decide if you're going to move forward but at least speak to a lawyer and understand how your specific circumstance mm. um can be resolved mm. absolutely sure Yo, the, grace the work that you're doing um they there aren't enough words to explain how much <laughs> there is a need Thank for you. it and um and how important it is to especially expose black women to legal education there has mm. been a lot of um marginalization of you know black women not just on the home front but also at work mm. so you know even yeah. even educating issues of employment law and all of that mm. It is yeah. very important. And, you know, we've also seen that um, a lot of women have been, um, you know, marginalized, especially when men pass away first, their husbands pass away yes. first. There's always Absolutely. the issue of were you really married yep. or were you not married and all yep. of that. So it's very important yep. that we have platforms like Masenze that, that mm. you know, has a aim of empowering and educating women. And, you know, when you know better, you honestly do better. You, you are do. able to, you do. there's no point in saying, um, you know, 
why didn't you apply ABC if you don't even have any access to that kind of knowledge? You know, where do you start? Where I mean, I know start? that in the law, they say ignorance of the law is not a defense, but in but all honesty, it's not fair. It's not. Because people don't know these things. Exactly. 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 Mm. So, I mean, in, 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 in as much as you're saying content creation is very difficult, there is literally no stopping. There's no turning back. Yeah. This is your calling and this is where <laughs> it's at. This is where you're at. Um, and so many, so many, so many, so many, so many women appreciate and rely on us, you know, keeping yes. the wheels of justice in motion, even if it's just by mm. a fraction you know no absolutely absolutely but i mean like you know we also take from what you're doing Tivolo. i mean your platform has also had some amazing success um i mean i took a lot of inspiration from you even when i was starting and I, I can i can be honest about that um and i think there's a lot of scope for us you know possibly working together listen to me plug um Girl, look, but, i was um, just as... <laughs> after this after this i was gonna whatsapp you i was gonna be like so <laughs> <laughs> Um, but at the end of the day, um, for me, like the problem is huge. And mm. a lot of us have a lot of skill sets that if put together could have a greater impact than mm. all of us trying to do it on our own. Mm. Mm. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Grace, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you for availing yourself. Um, I, you. you know, there, there aren't enough thank yous. But before I let you go, is there something that we maybe didn't cover, a social ill that keeps you awake at night, um, a pet peeve that you can't stand, any any person that you'd like to <laughs> that you'd like to drag on, you know, any any person or industry that you'd like to drag on oh, the platform? Um. Um, like what makes you want to pull your hair out? Is there anything that I maybe didn't touch on that you'd like to touch on in closing? Um, to be honest, no. I mean, this went way better than I thought it would be. I had a lot of fun being here. Um, actually, yeah, I should have done this a long time ago. Um, but for me, it's that, you know, literally as recently as this week, Crown Court made this huge decision that affects a lot of women that were married mm. in terms of customary law um, before. In the Black um, Administration Act. Yes. Mm. How many people know about that? That's what annoys me. That's what keeps yeah. me going. Is yeah. that the law is constantly changing and evolving, but the people who are supposed to know it don't know. Mm. That's what annoys me. Basically, our our grandmothers don't have access yeah. to that kind of information right now. Yeah. But yeah, they don't. Me, I mean, neither do their kids. I'm, I'm sure if I were to tell my mom, she'd be like, I don't know what you're talking yes. about. So yeah. yeah, you're absolutely correct. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like in this day and age of social media, um, those of us with a platform to say something that can change people's lives. And that's why I commend you so much to Bello. You like people learn so much from your platform. Thank um, you. And it's a, it becomes a responsibility because now mm. you've taken it on and there's no way you can say, I'm tired. So mm. yeah. Yeah, this this is where it's at now. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, Grace, it's, it's it's honestly been such a pleasure speaking to you. And um, you know, uh, can you just share details of your website address, um, or 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 if somebody wants to reach out and put this chatbot on their own platform, 
Personally, yes. I'm going to reach out to have it on the sustainable website. <laughs> <laughs> but for anybody else, um, where can they find you? Um, you know, with with in connection with the, the chatbot or your website. Um, you can find us on www.lumalaw.co.za and on all the socials on Facebook, we are at High Luma Law. Um, I think everywhere else, we're also at High Luma Law. Um, unfortunately, the social media part is the part that I actually need to start getting better at. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> but literally, you can find us everywhere. Um, it's my new commitment for this year, get better at social media. Mm -hmm. um, but literally, that's where you can find me. My details are on the website. You can also reach out to us directly if you want to white label the bot. We're currently in the process of iterating the bot so that it can actually answer you back, which was mm. something that before we just put the information there and it was static. Um, mm. But with the new bot, we're looking for a more richer experience from a conversation point of view. Okay, wonderful. And that's Luma spelled L-U-M-A. Yes, it means legal understanding made accessible. Love it, love it, love it. <laughs> okay, thank you so much, um, Grace. Thank you for sharing. I am ready to let you go now. And I have no doubt that, you know, you have really inspired somebody with your story today. And yeah, I, I, I wish you strength and blessings for the journey ahead, um, you know, as far as Masenze and Luma are concerned. And I will be seeing you around. Absolutely. Looking forward to it, Timelo. And thank you so much for having me on. Wonderful, wonderful. Bye. Yes, then bye.